Welcome to the Splitting Hairs podcast by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Uh, we're here for a special edition podcast tonight to uh, kind of break down the upcoming Dakota Marker game. And as Ben and Kyle highlighted, it's it's a big deal. Um, we There's this thing called game day that's ESPN College game day that's coming. <laughs> uh, and you hear that chuckle on the other end here. Uh, familiar to, to those of you that listen to the B team podcast brendan's joining me tonight as our uh, fargo expert brendan how you doing oh i'm just living the dream every day man excited to have the matchup stories about that game day thing but i'm i'm not really sure exactly what that is could you clear that up for me yeah well uh yes <laughs> you're supposed to wear blue i'm seeing a lot oh. of that and uh, you're supposed to get there early so wear blue oh. and get there early get there early and get there often yes or is that is that legal I and don't know. and don't put naughty words on your signs right or they take your signs away yes and act right so you don't get kicked out yeah so so in all seriousness though um i'm kind of exhausted by this game day stuff like there's mm. been so much energy around it um right since the last 48 hours or whatever and people asking me for information when i'm just I'm just like them. No one gives me information. Uh, (laughs) You mean to tell me that Sal's not running to you right away going, Matt, you've got to tell the people. You got to let them know. No, like you may have missed the the picture when, you know, Mike Lockerham and uh, Dean Cattleman and Christy Williams were around the table with the game day folks. Uh, but if you didn't see that picture, I'm not in that picture. <laughs> so I did see that picture. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe they didn't have you. In I know. I know. So it's, uh, I wasn't consulted about any of it. So I don't know. <laughs> and I'll, I know when you all know. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So cut him some slack people. Give him a break. Yeah. He's not, uh, he's not at ESPN yet. No, no. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but, but, but I can't imagine, you know, Stig was on four different radio shows today. Um, you know, the Tom Rinaldi stuff I see that, mm-hmm. that's on there. So there is a ton of stuff happening. And I think uh, Ben and Kyle did a great job of kind of listing the, the short-term and long-term benefits of mm-hmm. having game day. Uh, they did a really nice job kind of putting a neat bow around that. I thought so. Oh, absolutely. There is one hey, the A-team a- right there. Hey, I got I to gotta pull it out when I'm on the show, right? <laughs> I'm with the man, the myth, the legend. I've got to pull out all the stops here. So I got to get it out of the way early and often. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, um, you know, we, we talk about all the benefits and everything like that. But like you said, you're already exhausted. I'm exhausted. There's and and every there's so much expectation behind this now and everything. I'm really interested to see how the team handles all that. You know, like you said, coach has had how many interviews now? You know, and it's Tuesday. Yeah. So how are we gonna handle that pressure? How are we gonna handle that spotlight? Um, how are we gonna handle the expectation? Uh and not only just as a team, but how's our fan base gonna handled are we going to show up and are we going to show up and have an impact on the game or are we going to sit back and let the game have an impact on whether we're loud or not 
And I, I think the fans have as much of an impact as the team at certain points if you're into it right. And I've seen it happen at the Fargo Dome plenty of times. There's no reason it can't happen at our stadium. You bang on the bleachers, it gets loud enough. So there's a lot riding on this game, but mostly the team, how do we handle the game day, game day distraction mm-hmm. going into this game? Yep. And that's a, a great question. And, you know, today uh, when, he, when he was on with Brian McLaughlin, Stig said that uh, he's really encouraging the players to embrace this opportunity uh, and just – you know they're gonna they're gonna do something Friday where they go over and look at the set and spend some time over there talking about what it means and everything, um, and so that's a little bit different, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think you I think you could definitely approach it from both ways, uh, but Stig's such a such a players coach, I think that that he's he's really encouraging them to embrace it, and that's that's all right with me, I think. Yeah, I mean, and it's game day. How much are you going to – you can't look honestly at your player in the eye and tell them this is just another game. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, are you going to lie to them or are you just going to look at the elephant in the room, admit it's there, and work and get it out of the way right away? So I can can understand his strategy and certainly don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well – uh, we're here to, today uh, to talk about the bison, um, or bison. Sorry, mispronounced it there. Bison. Yeah. Uh, don't don't do that. <laughs> so we're we're here to talk about them. You live up in Fargo. Uh, you're surrounded by by, by bison fans, uh, and you know you you. I think on SCSU's off weeks, you say you go to the tailgating. I don't know. I'm sure the media up there is. You're just inundated with it. Uh, I've been able to watch a few of their games um, last week. Uh, didn't didn't spend time on the Missouri State game, uh, but did spend time on the Illinois State and U and I game uh, just mm-hmm. to kind of see what was going on. So um, I, I wrote in the blog for the for the preview. It's it's amazing that they have so many new names, but you'd never know it watching them. <laughs> it's just the same old right. stuff, right? <laughs> right. Oh yeah, absolutely. At this point, do the names matter? Yeah. Um, I mean, sir, and, you know, we hate giving them credit. I do, as they're our rival, but you have to. you got to recognize what they've done. And they've got a system in place there that just has become a machine. Now, that being said, are there some differences I, I think I see with this? NDSU team compared to teams in the past? Absolutely. I think there's some things that are different that haven't really shown yet just because they haven't had many close games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one thing, um, you know, that everyone, everyone and their dog is going to compare Trey Lance to Borey Gibbs for the next four years. And I think you and Ben have talked about it. I know Kyle and I have talked about it. Um, and I think it's okay to say at this point that they're both really dynamic players with bright futures, right? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Trey, Trey, Trey has had a phenomenal um, first first seven games. Uh, Jabore's injury, obviously, um, he missed those three out of conference games where it would have been nice to, for him to to practice some of the some of the things in a live game setting. Um, you know, and, and said he had got thrown mm-hmm. in with Southern Utah, which, you know, is a big sky school. They're, they're not the best this year. 
Um, mm-hmm. And our first two Valley or first three Valley games now, um, he's he's improved. I think you watch him, um, and I think he's improving as we go along. We know that it's hard to rattle him. Um, yep. But what do you know about Trey? Well, you know, looking at Trey Lance, uh, he's had a phenomenal start, and he makes some great throws. You know, you can't you can't deny what the kid's done so far. But at the same time, I think you have to recognize because um, if you look at his numbers to date, it's almost it's it's disheartening mm-hmm. almost if you assume that he's going to do that for the rest of his career which he could but he does that he's probably one of the best quarterbacks to play the game at any level mm-hmm. when really you break down his numbers you're like god he's got no he's got like no interceptions almost he's got all these touchdowns for the first three or four maybe five games he had more touchdowns than incompletions and you know, all those stats are super impressive and I'm not like a huge bury my head in the stats type of guy. So you see those stats flash in front of your face and it's really eye opening and almost like shock and awe mm-hmm. when you see numbers like that. But then I think I might've mentioned this on our, the B team a little while ago where they brought up, there was two quarterbacks a week ago or two weeks ago that had no interceptions yet this year as a starter. It was Trey Lance and the quarterback from VMI. Hmm. Now, here was the difference. One quarterback had thrown had 85 attempts and one quarterback had 235. Which one do you think was Trey Lance and which one do you think was the VMI quarterback? Yeah, okay. I see where you're going. The <laughs> the 85 attempts was Trey Lance. Now, that's not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm not saying he doesn't have a great arm and make some beautiful throws. What I am saying so far, I don't think we've had any games where he's seen a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't think we see any games besides the UC Davis game where he's had to make that game-winning drive. So I don't think we've had enough opportunities to see him show the poise, say, Jabori Gibbs has. He's been able to be carried to even greater extent by his running game and lack of needing to throw the ball than Jabori did. And what Jabori's thrown is more because we want him to throw anyways to get the practice in. So it's so hard to make these, you know, make comparisons or anything like that. Or I have a hard time judging a quarterback's career based off his first six games because, you know, RG3 in the NFL looked phenomenal for his first year. Yeah. And then we saw what happened to that, yeah. you know, and you can go through a whole laundry list of guys. Yep. So, so I, I think, you know, the part that um, always, always was challenging when you faced Easton stick and now it's carried over with Trey is that ability to run the ball and designed runs as well as uh, just mm-hmm. making plays out of the pocket type of runs. Uh, he's their leading rusher. I didn't real, realize that until I looked up Holy the stats. Smokes. He has 487 yards and seven TDs. Um, and that's a ridiculous number so it, it, as a quarterback. Easy, and so you know, you and I are both Packer fans, Green Bay Packer fans. We need to mm-hmm. get that out of the way. And so, anytime I see a quarterback running like this, it makes me think of Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. slicing and dicing the Packers in that playoff game when he looked like a giant ostrich out on the field running. And <laughs> right, uh, don't thanks for nightmares. I know, and so like uh, it just. I, I I'm, I'm very concerned about that. 
um, mm. from our Jackrabbits defensive line this year has done a great job of getting pressure on the quarterback. They really have. They're on pace to set the team record for sacks. Um, but I'm nervous because some of our pass rush has been a bit undisciplined. And, yep. um, and, and if that happens here, Trey, <laughs> Trey's going to bury us. I think um, if we, if we don't rush as a group, you know, if we, if we right. don't stay in our lanes or whatever, push the pocket, I whatever they want to say it. Well, and you know, looking at that, I think this is a situation where you almost certainly put a spy on the guy, you know, put a Logan Backus on him just to watch him because, you know, the more stunts and things like that you do, the harder it is to maintain your lane, especially if you get caught by the lineman in the stunt. Now you got two open gaps. Yep. So either we're going to go and stop running the defensive pass rush moves and stunts and blitzes that have been working or we're going to do something with a spy or corner blitzes or something to get to him differently than what we've been doing now because right now he yeah exactly what you said some of our pass rush is really indisciplined and he's gonna give every jackrabbit fan nightmares from Easton stick to carson wentz running for third and 13 and getting 14 yards yep and that'll just make for a really long day. I do think that this our defense's mentality and how the level of play that they're at is different. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll have something of a harder time with that. Um, from NDSU is going to have a harder time at stopping our defensive rush and allowing a Trey to have these big lanes. But that's going to be something that's really interesting to watch. Agreed. Um and as we've both talked about, and as everyone knows that's likely listening to this podcast, the bison, the bison, jeepers, I'm going to have to like wash my mouth out with soap on this. Wow. Thing. Look at you. Oh, what I, happened I, to you? I told you it's this, who, this who week. I'm tired this week already. You know, I've been, oh I've been sick and I'm just fatigued. So man, tell <laughs> you got to tell me who hurt you. I will, I will <laughs> protect you. I will take them down for you. We, this is bad. You are infected. I sir. am. I am. It was that. It was that beer that uh, Trans Am gave me a couple years ago. Oh, it's the slow acting <laughs> one. Yep. 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 <laughs> I've heard about those. All right. So we all know that they want to run the ball, um, and obviously Lance is their leading rusher. We just talked about that. Uh, but they have a whole stable of running backs that, that uh, we need to respect. Uh, Adam Cofield uh, having a nice year is kind of that lead power back. Um, Ty Brooks, we know what he can do. He's that slasher. Um, Demetri mm-hmm. Williams is moved back from wide receiver to running back, and he's healthy again, finally. He was out for the start of the year. Um, yep. And they're using him in some really creative ways to get some matchup problems, uh, running mm-hmm. some motions with him to get him because uh, he's been a wide receiver, so he knows how to run routes, um, and it's just right. a total mismatch. Uh, Kobe Johnson's a new name. Sabian Clark's a new name. Kobe Johnson has elite speed. Uh, so far, hasn't really been able to bust that out on any huge run, um, but that's something to watch. And Sabian Clark uh, is a really good combo back that they have. So, whole stable there. Any of those guys you want to talk a little bit about, Brennan? You know, I think just in general, obviously we know about Ty Brooks. He seems like he's been there for 10 years now. Um, But, you know, you talk about using Dimitri in uh, creative ways 
and things like that. I think that just kind of plays into their whole offense under Tyler Roll taking it over. They've been a lot more aggressive and creative in their play calling than I remember in years past. They're not winning their same old grind them out 14 to 13 game at half, and then it ends up being 45 to 10. They're just straight blowing people out, mm-hmm. and they're using play action to gash people over the top and really going for the throat and then stepping on it. And I think, you know, some of that might lead to why Trey leads the team in rushing yards yep. over the running backs. But, I mean, in the end, it's NDSU, man. They're going to have a stable of backs, and they're going to have different guys, you know, from your Trey Brooks to your power backs that they use in different situations that are damn good at what they do. Yep. So the one thing with these guys, you mentioned it, so I'm, I'm so glad. Perfect segue. We didn't even plan this is the play action. It's um, and, and and this this play action stuff that they that they run really is ridiculous. And I, I was listening to uh, an NFL podcast and they credited uh who is their who is their good fullback two years ago? Um Oh my god. He is from the Moorhead Chance More or Chase Morlock. Morlock. And yep. so an NFL commentator was talking about this concept that's going to the NFL right now of this, uh, of the, of the wheel of the, uh, the wheel seam or the seam wheel. And yep. he, they credited the NDSU Messingham along with Chase Morlock. They said Chase Morlock and uh, Courtney Messingham kind of perfected this. <laughs> and well. it, it was so weird. And then I'm watching, um, if you, if you look at the game preview uh, for NDSU, I posted of, of what we're talking about here, uh, the tweet mm-hmm. from Ross Uglum, um, and you see the concept that they're trying to do. They have the two backs split on either side of the quarterback, and they just uh, they run both running backs over, so you think it's going to be a, a toss or a handoff to the one side, and that lead back cuts up right the seam, and uh, you mm-hmm. have everyone biting on it. And typically that's been a big hitting play. They used to run that to Bruce Anderson like crazy last year. Mm-hmm. And before that, Morlock. So uh, that's something we're going to have to watch. Yeah, we're going to have to watch, but we should be – I feel like we should be better at defending it this year because we've ran that play now too this year. Yeah. And I remember because I had some Bison fan friends over watching the Vikings game, and they were screaming very loud me in my, in my ear, that's an NDSU play. That's an yeah. NDSU play. And I'm going, I don't care. It's a touchdown. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, you got to give them credit. They really have made that a serious weapon. And uh, as much as I hate to give them credit for anything, but – I mean, yeah, it's something we've got to watch and something they've gashed us on before in the past, yeah. and without a doubt. And and I've, I'm slightly concerned about whether it's play action of the running backs or play action of the tight end because the last two weeks our safeties have got caught cheating and, yep. and, and getting their eyes in the backfield and reading something that's not there, and they've allowed touchdowns because of it. So um, there's one tight end – that the Bison have uh, Noah Gindorf. He has five catches on. He has five touchdowns on five receptions this year. Like all he does is catch touchdowns. So <laughs> that's that's all they do. They're tight ends, I think. So they're, they're also hellacious blockers. So <laughs> yes. that is true. <laughs> so yeah, there's their their top three tight ends have uh, have ten touchdowns between them. And I mean, their tight ends are basically 
offensive tackles with good hands. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, and yeah, you mentioned our guys biting and I think that's a concern whenever you have a long, young secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going into this game, it's a bit unrealistic to think we're not going to get gashed for a big play mm-hmm. once or twice. Yep. Like we're not going to be able to have the offense not put up a decent amount, you know, 21 points or so because we're probably going to get burned by play action once or twice. Yep. It's especially if they pound the run, pound the run, pound the run. And I think the other interesting thing that has somewhat helped uh, NDSU's play stream game as well is I've noticed they, t- they like to run it outside a little more and have had a little more success outside the tackle box from the couple games I've watched. Sure. As opposed to traditionally it's ram it down your throat. Well, now you got your running back running out for big gains at your cornerback. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to be more likely to bite on if they're getting having a running back run out for eight yards on them? Probably a play-action pass, mm-hmm. especially when they're younger guys. So I think, God, it's going to be tough to stop them every time because they are a really good offensive team. Yeah, and that's – that's like you said, it's something that a little bit different that Tyrell is bringing up there. And I think, yep. I think Messingham started it a little bit last year. Um, but Tyrell has really kind of unleashed them. So, yeah. Um, wide receivers, you know, it's basically a one, two punch there. Um, you don't mm-hmm. see too many three wide sets for them. Uh, Phoenix Sproles and Christian Watson. Uh, they've, they've really looked forever for a big bodied receiver and Christian Watson finally stuck. Um, and he's doing some nice things, 14 receptions, 218 yards this year. Um, really, you know, the highlights against Missouri state showed a couple, couple times where he was really, um, just bodying up his man and going and getting the ball. And that's what they, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what that offense has been lacking. They've had guys like Phoenix, um, you know, the, for, for quite a while, as long as I can remember, actually, um, that, that, that it can run any route, um, and, and just have a little bit of juice and juke to them. Um, but not never, they've, I just don't remember them having a big bodied receiver. So no, that's never been their forte. Um, which is odd. You'd think they'd have more big receivers with how much they have their receivers block. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion, you'd think they'd just be bigger bodied guys and they'd have a hard time getting the faster Darius Shepard type players or Phoenix roll type players, but it really has been the other way. And yeah, you're right. That adds a weapon that they've never really had before. And I don't see that being too big of a concern though, for our athletic corners facing a physical receiver like that. I, you know, it's still my biggest concern would be a Sproles getting loose behind the defense on a play action pass. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm concerned. It just is, is an interesting wrinkle that they have this year. Um, I think, I think you stick Don Gardner on Christian Watson and, and let him battle with him for the whole game. (laughs) Hopefully Mm -hmm. Don doesn't get a personal foul. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) But you know, the biggest concern with him will be in the red zone. If they do decide to try the Winicky fade on our, on ourselves. Yeah. You know, you know, I wonder in a situation like that, um, if you'd trot Levi Brown out there, you know, I don't know how fast, I don't know how fast uh, he is, but Levi, you know, I don't know how fast Watson is, but Levi definitely um, has some speed on him. So, right. 
yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we line line up. And I mean, we know him so well, but now we've got new defensive coordinators versus new offensive coordinators and vice versa. Um, this could be a very different-looking uh, marker game than we're used to. That's really true. That's I, I thought about it from their perspective, but I really didn't take into account that our new coordinators either. So, Right. I mean, if you think about it um, and what we've started to unleash in the last game and what we unleashed against the Minnesota game with Eck, that is not the SDSU offense they're used to lining up against. And then you take our defense into account. Is it going to be more effective? Because for all of our griping about not being aggressive, you know, for years and years and years, the defense, generally speaking, in the marker game has done a pretty fair job. So Mm -hmm. will we be as effective in this specific game compared to the overall season with the defense? That's yet to be seen, and is it even a fair comparison with how much more aggressive their offense is turned to be? Sure, yeah. All the great questions. <laughs> um, I, I don't have answers. I just have questions. That's all I got. I mean, yeah. experts like yourself for that. No, I have, I have zero <laughs> answers for that. Uh, I remember, I wasn't in the room. Uh, <laughs> right, this is true. I forget you're not you weren't in the room either. We're in the same boat. <laughs> um, you know the the offensive line. It, it really doesn't matter who they have playing. Their offensive line is always pretty decent. Um, mm-hmm. Decent, uh, pretty decent on the low end to exceptionally great on the high end. Like I think there's right. there, there's a range in there, but they're never bad. Like <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I look. That day happens, um, I'll be a happy man. Yeah. But I don't foresee that happening in a while. Yeah. Uh, I think last time they came to Brookings uh, was the worst I'd seen their line look in person. Um, And that got shorn up pretty quickly. So, you know, they have All-American Zach Johnson, um, Dylan Dylan Redunds, Cordell Volson, played a ton of snaps for him. Nash Jensen is new to the lineup this year at left guard, um, but he's a huge man. The Jacks mm-hmm. were in on recruiting him as well, so I followed his recruitment pretty closely. Um, really good kid, uh, just a huge person that moves really well. <laughs> right. So, so we'll see. I don't know anything about their center, Carson Shonen. You know, I, I don't, and I know this is uh, – they're an NDSU line, so they're a good offensive line. <laughs> Period. That's the way yeah. that goes. Yep. But, you know, you look at some of the games they played and you think, oh, Illinois State, that's a really good defense and they shredded them. Yeah, I will absolutely give them that one. But UC Davis had a pretty fair job of stopping them. And UC Davis isn't exactly a top 10 defense in the country. Um, yeah, they tore up UNI, but UNI also gave up, you know, a huge amount of points and a half to Weber state who is certainly not an offensive juggernaut. So their defense is known to have letdowns for a half. And I'm, I kind of with their, with their offensive line, I'm just kind of how I feel about them overall. They're very good. They have some good wins, but I think the wins and the stats and everything are propped up by what the ranking was at the time and not what we've found out those teams really were. Sure. That makes a lot if of sense. You know what I mean. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um and even, you know, last week against Missouri State, you know, Missouri State 
they really did a pretty good job for the most of the game on them. So, yeah. And I don't know, you know, how much, the, how much they were resting players or, um, you know, I'm sure it was a pretty simple game plan, but still, yep. you know, Missouri state did a good job of bottling them up. So. Right. And I, you know, I'm sure it's a, it, they had a similar attack to the game as we did when we played like a Southern Utah and whatnot, but, in the end, 22 points when your defense pitches a shutout means you had the ball pretty fair amount without scoring a touchdown for as vaunted as their offense and offensive line is. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, everybody has a bad game, and I'm 95% sure they were peaking past Missouri State, just like I think we were probably peaking a little bit past Indiana State. Yep. But, um, and I don't put a lot of weight in just one game, but if we're going to look at recent sample sizes, I, if I was a Bison fan, I'd be mildly concerned because I do believe that this Jackrabbit defensive line is the best they will be facing probably this year. I sure hope so, and I think we have every reason to believe that they will be. Um, the way they stood in against that kind of vaunted Minnesota offensive line this year. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Cal, I... I don't know, and and I, I yeah, I I really think that they could um, they could give them some fits. I mean, with the guys we can run through and the confidence they're playing with right now, uh, there's no reason they can't. So, yeah. well, and, and if you think about it, that Minnesota offense is a similar style that they ran against. This is a similar style of what NDSU does, is then. They wanted to control the ball, grind the ball down your throat, and hit you with play action and burn you. So, and our defensive line is almost built for that with how they controlled that line of scrimmage all game. So I'm really, really looking forward to that battle. Yep, good. Me too. So let's let's flip over then um, to the defensive side for NDSU. Um, go through some of the players there. Uh, you know, looking at this, it was interesting um, along the defensive line. The NDSU, uh, to me, is always has always had some monsters right in the middle. Um, this year, they're not as big. Um, Cole Cars is back. I can't say his name ever his last name right. Um, so, no disrespect, Cole. If you find this podcast, uh, I think you're a heck of a player. But last year, you know, he had seven and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, he just has one so far. And so I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, but the guy next to him, Jack Darnell, only has five total tackles on the season, and he's played in every game. Right. And so I'm, I'm like, I don't know if, if their scheme has shifted so that those two are just expected to eat blocks and let the linebackers make all plays. Because in the past, I feel like, those have been more attacking positions for the Bison. Am I am I wrong or misremembering there? No, I think their defense was much more aggressive on the defensive line. I think you're spot on there. And if you look at their results this season, um, their defense hasn't been the same style of defense as NDSU defenses were used to. They're still very good, but the way they play the game is more of a bend but don't break compared to making plays, stopping them three and out, get the ball back to the offense, which is kind of an interesting um, change, but that can happen with a new D coordinator. And it's kind of a, you know, I think you're somewhat on the right track. We've seen what the change in aggression and, and stunts and blitzing has done for our defense and our defensive line. 
I think that's something you can probably point at too, where you're fairly close to being right on the head where they've changed their mentality, what they want with their defensive tackles. Right. So the defensive ends then for NDSU, uh, Derek Tuska is one of the best in the country. Um, and he's a little bit different than classic NDSU uh, defensive ends. Usually we're used to these bendy guys that just whip around the corner. Um, Tuska is 6'5", 246, uh, and he's a technician. When you watch his tape, he uses his hands really well, and is he's big. Um, 17 tackles, six and a half sacks on the season. Um, so he's a pretty dang good player. Uh, opposite him, uh, Spencer Wege. Uh, again, sorry if I'm – not pronouncing that name right, um, but he's a heck of a player as well. He's also big. Um, he was injured in the preseason, and he's still kind of working his way back to 100%, but he's still been productive in limited action, uh, 14 tackles, two and a half sacks. Logan McCormick's been the starter in his, in his place, two and a half sacks for him. So, again, across the front, a very talented group. Um, and in classic NDSU fashion, they love to get in the third and long and bring the heat. Yeah, I mean, the the classic NDSU thing is to make you have to pass so they can get their defensive ends, ears pinned back and hackles up and just attack the quarterback. That's their favorite thing in the world. And Tuska is a monster. And he really is a guy who concerns me going into this game and is going to be a huge test for our tackles. Um, really, all their defensive ends are, but Tuska, that's kind of part of the course with them. Their defensive ends have always been really good. So if we can give Gibbs time and keep Tuska back on his heels a little bit, maybe the screen game a little, I would expect uh, some draw plays out of Gibbs, maybe some other wrinkles that Eck has magicianed up that us not, you know, high-end football minds couldn't dream up on our own. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens and how we handle that because we've had some defensive ends give us trouble before, you know, just from an offensive line standpoint for us facing their defensive line. So that's going to be interesting. And I think, you know, a size comparison, uh, maybe not the same type of athleticism, but a size comparison, uh, Justice Reed, you know, at, at, uh, at Youngstown, Uh, about the same size. They're both massive humans that that have that ability. Um, So we'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting matchup, and we'll see which which Jackrabbit offensive line shows up from drive to drive. Um, But it's going to take their best best effort to this point, I think. Absolutely. And I really think the biggest key is going to be getting into third manageable. Yep. If you get into third manageable – then they can't just pin their ears back and tee off on your defensive tackles, and that makes all the difference in the world. If we stay on schedule through the downs and get into third and three, third and four, where they've got to worry about Luke Sellers coming and smashing him in the face when he kicks him out, then then they can't just be running upfield and ripping past an offensive tackle. So that's really the best way to nullify those guys, in my opinion. Yes. Yep. The linebackers then for the Bison, we mentioned Jabril a little bit earlier, Jabril Cox. Um, You know, he's one of the top outside linebackers in the country. Um, Just a heck of a player. 
stuff's a stat sheet. He's just all over the place. Um, you can see the whole list of everything that he's put up um, in the blog. But mm-hmm. he just – this is his third year now at NDSU, and he's been an impact player since he got there. Uh, Jackson Hankey is the new middle linebacker. Aaron Mercadel, Mercadel is back um, uh, from injury. He's on the outside. So three pretty good starting linebackers. They, they don't sub much. For this group, these three are on the field uh, 90% of the snaps, probably. So uh, we'll see We'll see how that has an effect. Um, but their depth is really inexperienced at linebacker. Yeah, and I think that's where um, being successful with the run game and how we've had games so far where it's grind it, grind it, and then start popping runs for 8 to 10 yards could really come through for us when you don't rotate linebackers that much. Mm-hmm. Especially if you keep them on the field with them having a little more of a bend but don't break defense. Um, with a run game, they're going to get tired eventually. That all being said, I mean, Jabril Cox, what, I don't know. I think not every superlative has ever been that there is ever written has been said about the man. He's a, he's a beast out there. He's just a junior, right, if I'm yeah, correct? yep. And there's talk of him leaving early for the draft, yeah, which is ridiculous in the FCS. And you, you don't hear that. Yeah, and he's gonna—he's supposedly gonna graduate in December. Um, yeah, that's what—that's what I've heard. So he'd be even be considered for the Senior Bowl because he'd have his diploma in hand. So right, um, I know that was something that had been kicked around before the season started. Yeah, so. You know, once the season is over with that, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, I mean, that really puts in perspective how damn good that kid is. I mean, he's a freak out there, Mm -hmm. and they're moving him all over the field to create mismatches and problems and issues for the other team. And we're going to just have to do our best to solve that issue with their line. That's that's all there is to it. Yep. So, they're... Their secondary then, um, you know, Marquise Bridges and Josh Hayes feel like they've been there a while as well. Um, right. Trey Fort's another name that's been there a while, it seems like. Uh, never played a ton, but he's always there on the depth chart. And then a new name this year yep. is Destin Talbert at corner. Um, I think Josh Hayes is a really good player. Uh, you know, watching him go, um, he moves really well. Uh, he has some natural ball skills as a defensive back too. Gets his hand gets his hand in there in a lot of different plays. Um, yep. So yeah, I don't know. It'll it, they still, in my opinion, and I looked at last year's stats. I don't know if they have anyone that that uh, that matches up well with Cade. To be honest, um, you'd think that Trey Fort would be that guy, uh, but they really never brought in that Nickelback um, to. to to take out Cade last year. Um, so we'll see if that ends up, um, you know, how they, how they end up guarding Cade. Um, Cause that's an interesting, right. interesting matchup. Right. And I, I mean, really let's be honest, who does have a good matchup for Cade, <coughs> realistically. Very true. Um, you know, they're going to have some stuff schemed up though. They used to do it when Winicky played again, we played against them with Winicky. Um, we would hurt him with Goddard. So, these type of games are where you need a second receiver to step up 
mm-hmm. and gash them because one thing NDSU is very good at generally is taking away the one really good player you have on the team from like a passing perspective. If you got one really good receiver, they're good at locking him down, generally speaking. There's not a lot of guys that are the number one and then go off for tons of yards, either because the pass rush gets there too soon or they scheme something up that's really hard to get yards and touchdowns on with that particular player. So I think there's going to be a lot riding on Yankee and Anderson, and that's why I was really encouraged to see a bunch of attempts go to Anderson compared to prior games, in my opinion, and maybe I'm way off. I, I didn't tally the amount of targets and things for Anderson compared to prior games, but it sure felt like he was used more in that Indiana State game compared to other games and leads me to believe he's going to have a huge game, I think, in this marker week. Yeah, um, and that's a great a great point, too. Looking back at the matchups last year, uh, Anderson, the first matchup, had a huge game, uh, eight receptions, 102 yards. And then um, – and then the second game, they kind of – he just – I forget. Did he get hurt in that second game? I just can't remember. Um, um, he had one reception for 16 yards in that game. So Right. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, but and regardless, uh, it's, it, uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup with the secondary. Uh, you know, that you're absolutely right. Uh, Yankees involvement in the offense, Anderson's involvement in the offense last week were really good signs. Uh, on the Stig radio show, um, uh, Schleissner talked about potentially getting Blake Coons back this week. He's feeling a lot better, and so uh, we'll see if he's out there. Uh, one thing I noticed on some of the tapes, NDSU is having uh, some issues in their deep middle, um, getting, nope. getting depth on crossing routes and posts, and yeah. uh, that could be a spot where Blake is really effective. We obviously saw what Cade can do this week or this past week um, running a lot of those routes against Indiana state, um, yep. some deep crosses. So uh, I, I don't know. It could be just with the new linebackers, just them trying to figure out their depth. They also have some new, uh, a new safety. Um, James Hendricks obviously has been in and out of the lineup um, the last couple of years. He's kind of a Swiss army knife for him, but Michael Tutsi um, is a really good player. Um, he's replacing Robbie Grimsley. Thank goodness he graduated. Uh, right, <laughs> but uh, but Tootsie, I don't know. I don't know what the communication is between those different levels, you know, in the defense. Um, but right now, it looks like the Bison maybe that be maybe one area where they are struggling as a defense um, is that communication and getting proper depth on some of those crossing routes. Well, and that's kind of an interesting thing that you bring that up. And I think back to you know our group text that we talk about between all of us, um, where. I think it was Kyle or maybe uh, Ben bringing up that looks like we're trying to work on passing. And, you know, you think back, we hit, we, we threw some of them crossing routes deep and up the middle. And it almost makes you wonder if Eck was doing almost uh, used Indiana State's defense as a dress rehearsal. Yeah. To go against NDSU where he felt we were good enough to run a game plan that doesn't necessarily wasn't necessarily tailored to them, but was tailored to make us work on things we want to run the next game. Yep. And it just a thought I just had, but especially if their safeties are having communication issues and things like that, because you know, a bison safety is probably going to be pretty good at hitting on the run. Yep. But 
they do when they are younger. It seems they have, they have a tendency to have communication issues and get burned in the pass game occasionally. Yep. And it's, uh, you know, and it makes sense that we have been passing so much in recent weeks when we really haven't needed to. And I think that's been a critique that I've heard from a few fans. Like, why aren't we running the ball more? Um, the run's working. Right. It's because we're trying to make up for these lost reps that Jabori missed in the out-of-conference right. games. So, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to me, it it's, makes sense, at least that's why. <laughs> right. And just, to, I guess, to clarify, I think you understood what I was getting at, but just to clarify in case anybody else, um, you know, I think, it was more than just working on the passing game, but working on specific facets of our passing yes. game yes. that are going to be um, that we believe are going to be very successful against what we're coming up against. And it almost is better to practice it against a team that is better at stopping it mm-hmm. than practicing it against a team who's terrible at stopping it. And then you face a team who's good at stopping it. That's very so, true. Yeah. You know, <laughs> So hopefully that's the case and we're raring to go for this next game. But, you know, these games are such chess matches leading up to it. Yeah. Yep. And that's what, you know, they, with this, then you go and ask me to go and try to talk about figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not the brightest bear in the woods. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> don't make me laugh. That's <laughs> um, what you're for. The uh, <laughs> the uh, Chiefers, the special teams for NDSU, um, you know they're they're never, I, I I would say they're never great, they're never excellent, but they're always really good, um, especially like in the return game. Uh, I know there's some games where where there has been dynamic returns uh, for them, but I don't remember one against us. I guess, and mm-hmm. and I could be misremembering there. Um, but this year, I, you know, they have both Ty Brooks and Dimitri Williams back there um, doing some work on kick returns. Um, we'll see. Dimitri has been limited, um, obviously, with the injury. But I'm interested, their punt returner, I've never heard of this guy, Trevor Height. Do you know anything about him? Number 84, Trevor not, Height, some guy from Wisconsin. Not a thing. So he has 12 returns and a 14 average. Um, which is good. Yeah. With a lot, but just with a long of just 50. So I know that's a good return, but, um, even when you take out that 50 yarder, that's still a pretty dang good average. So, yeah. Um, I'm just interested. I don't, I, I, I've never heard of this guy until I looked up the, the stats today. Um, so that could be something Dinkle's doing great. Our coverage on punts has been excellent. So hopefully he does. He he has zero return yards at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. And, that's kind of a strength on strength matchup right there. Sorry about that. <laughs> but kind of a strength on strength matchup uh, when you think about it, our special teams versus theirs. And, um, you know, I guess when I think of NDSU special teams traditionally, I don't, I don't think bad, that's for sure. And like you said, I don't think great. Um, I just think really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, the really good, the only, the, the great was the punter, uh, LeCompte. Oh, they had yeah. Him. Yep. That, that guy won them national championships. I will believe that till the day I die because that guy flipped the field and was uh, almost a 15 to 20-yard difference in field position every possession. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, but otherwise, I would say very solid, not necessarily really good, which is a shade of a shade of gray. But <laughs> you, you know, you see him, it's not like you're worried. I, I don't necessarily want to jinx us and say I don't worry about him returning it for a touchdown. You, you, you worry about him returning it for 30 or 40 yards. Yeah. You know, as opposed to busting it to the house. And they do have really good athletes back there, which is kind of what makes it a little odd. Yep. Yep. So the last thing I want to wrap up kind of this this in this episode by just looking at some of the matchups that maybe we've hit on, um, but some matchups that we think are really going to be key uh, in this game. So do you have any at the top of your mind? Oh, the, the biggest key matchup, to me, in my mind, is our offensive tackles versus their defensive ends, which is the lamest, most boring take on a Dakota Marker game in the history of all mankind. But that's the matchup that I think really decides it, if we can keep their defensive ends off of Jabori when we are forced to pass. Sure. I think uh, the one thing I'm really going to be keeping an eye on, it's maybe not such a matchup, but it's our rushing offense uh the two games last year against the bison uh we had 155 and 175 yards on the ground net and so uh we did a good job running the ball and obviously we got behind and we're chasing points we couldn't run the ball as much as we wanted to in the second game uh but that first game that played a huge role in us uh staying as close as we did in that one is that we ran the ball effectively and so I'd look for us to do that again. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about this depth that, that maybe isn't there that we're used to for the, the, the NDSU linebackers. Um, and so we'll see if we keep hammering on them, if we can do a good job blocking up front um, and getting, you know, Luke Sellers into that second level crashing down on guys. Um, we'll see. I, I, I really would like us to run the ball take some of that pressure off Jabori to make it so he has some easier decisions um, in the passing game. Yeah, no, uh, pretty sure you're spot on there. Absolutely. So got another one in there. In the, in the first game, it was Isaac Wallace went out for over a hundred yards and the second game, Pierre went for over a hundred yards. So yeah, we'll see. I th- if we get Pierre into the second level regularly and they aren't hitting them right at the line, I think it's going to be a good day at the office to be a jackrabbit. Sure. Good, good. All right. Any last other words of wisdom, Brendan? Oh, any other words of wisdom that I might have aren't appropriate for children, so I'm going to keep it to myself right now. Sure. So the, <laughs> the, the tentative plan is to have Brendan back with Ben towards the end of the week. Um, with maybe a, a guest picker, uh, you know, in, in the Ooh-hoo. in the spirit of game day, we're gonna have a guest picker, and it's gonna be uh, <laughs> really fun. I think <laughs> we'll probably have fun with it. So, all right, um, I don't have anything else. Just keep your eye on the blog. Keep your eye on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Jack Illustrated, Ben at It's Thumper. So, or not Ben, Brendan at It's Thumper 76, right? Got That's that, right. right. Okay. And Ben at It's uh, Capping Hard. <laughs> yep. So all of us are around. Um, it's a fun week. So, uh, all right. Go Jacks. Go Jacks.